you haven't been here and I see some familiar faces that I love so dearly. So, so glad that you could be here this morning. And, and if you are a guest and you've never been here, I'm, I'm so glad that you decided to come, to come and be a part of our worship today. Because you want to know why? Because here at Fountainhead, we strive to do God's will. And we strive to serve a living God. And we worship him in spirit and truth. So I hope that today that you feel that and know that you're with good company. You're with the beloved brethren, the saints. Rascal Flats has uh, a song entitled My Wish. Some of you may know it. The chorus of the song goes like this. My wish for you is that this life becomes all that you want it to. Your dreams stay big, your worries stay small. You, ne you never need to carry more than you can hold. And while you're out there getting where you're getting to, I hope you know somebody loves you and, and want the same things too. Yeah, this is my wish. So many of us know that song. And, you know, the thought is, my wish is that while you're out living your life, just remember somebody loves you. It really is, really is an emotional song, isn't it? I've heard it at graduations. I've heard it at, you know, different events. And, and I don't know really what the, the, the premise of the, the story is about behind it. But when I think about this song, I immediately think about memories of the past of, you know, Isaac and Libby and, and, and those things that uh, happened when they were children. And, and as Libby's growing up, these memories just make you think, you know, as you live your life, as you continue to grow up, just remember somebody loves you. This morning we see this thought come to life in the scriptures. Paul, as he closes out this letter to the brethren that he loved so very much, we've looked at, looked at it, to a group that brought him so much joy, so much comfort, so much encouragement. You think about what he said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. He says, for from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth. From you, Thessalonian brethren, the word of the Lord has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. Now as he closes... He does so with a beautiful request for them. And it should be thought of more as uh, more than just a wish. It's, it's a prayer. 
And it's a prayer for the saints. Let's read it one more time and then I want us to consider several points. And then the lesson will be yours. Verse 23 and verse 24, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Before we get into the request, before we get into this prayer request that Paul has for these saints, I want us to consider what Paul says right at the very beginning of verse 23. Can I have just a minute of your time? Can I just have a minute? That's all I'm asking. Just a few moments of your devoted attention to the Word of God. Just a few, few. Look at what Paul says in verse 23. He says, now may the God of peace. The first thing to consider this morning is exactly that. The God of peace. Paul knows that he thinks about these brethren that he wants the best for them. And so he goes to the one who can help the most. Isn't that what we do, brethren? I want the best for you. And I want the best for my children. And I want the best for my friends. And I want the best for my co-workers. And I want the best for the world. Don't you? And because I want the best for them, where do I need to go to get help? To the one who can help the most. The God we serve, brethren, is a God of peace. And I love the Greek word here for peace. It means security. It means safety. It means prosperity. It means harmony. Don't you love those words? Aren't those comforting words? But it's sad to say, but it's so true. The picture that the world paints about our God is not a God of peace at all. The, the world says that anyone who would believe the commandments of that God believes in a God of harshness, believes in a God of hatefulness, believes in a God who is ready to punish and not save. Oh, Oh, but how wrong they are. Brethren, we know better than that. Amen? We know that he is not that kind of God. I remember in John chapter 3 when Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then in verse 17, this is what he says. God did not send me into the world to condemn it, but he sent me into the world to save it. Save it. Paul and us as well. Tell me if I'm right. We see his safety. 
We see God's security. We see God's prosperity. We see God's harmony. You know where we see it, brethren? In the face of Jesus. Now, if that don't move you, I don't know it will. Somebody came and gave their life for you. When Jesus was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven and set at the right hand of God, something beautiful happened, brethren. Something beautiful happened. When God allowed his son to sit right next to him at the right hand of God, something beautiful happened. God became at peace with men. And Jesus at this moment, at this time, sits at the right hand making intercession for you. Oh man, glory, hallelujah. Jesus fulfilled the requirement and it pleased the Father and therefore we through obedience to the gospel can be saved, reconciled to the Almighty and have peace with each other. I remember what Romans chapter five tells us and you do too, brethren. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. Why do I bring this thought up? Why am I setting this up and pulling us so far away from the text? Brethren, I'm not pulling us away at all. I'm showing you where Paul's mind was as he is about to lift up this prayer for these brethren. The phrase God of peace is used a lot in scripture. Why is it? Because God wants something all the time. Peace. It's in his nature. It's who he is. It's what he wants for all of us. Am I right? God wants peace. And the only way to have true peace, the only way to have that safety and that security is his way. So when we realize just who the God we serve is, it creates this trust. It creates this comfort in him. And look at what Paul says in verse 23. He says, now may the God of peace, and then he says something else, himself. The God of peace himself. Are there any bosses in the crowd? Parents, you're kind of a boss, right? Is this not true? Just tell me, just give me a nod after I get done. Tell me if I'm just thinking crazy. You ask and ask your workers. You ask and ask your kids to do something, right? Can you do this? Can you do this? This is how I need you to do it. Can you do this? Can you do this? Yeah, I got you, man. Don't worry about it. Finally, after it gets done and they say they're finished, you go and look at it and it's either halfway done or it's not even done the way that you asked for it to be done. Has that ever happened? So what do you end up saying? You know what? Don't worry about it. I'll just do it myself. 
You know what? Don't worry about it. You can't do it. Obviously, you can't do what I've asked you to do. So I'm just going to do it myself. Isn't that what we do? Why do we do that? Why do we say, I'll just do it myself? Because we know that it will get done the right way, (laughs) right? And we know that when it gets done, it'll be good. Paul understands that his request and hope for these brethren can get answered and it will get done by the one who can get it done the right way, the best way. Amen? Paul says, may the God of peace himself, and then he says this, sanctify you completely. The first thing to consider this morning was the God of peace. The second thing to consider is this, complete sanctification. Sanctification, what a powerful word. The word sanctified means to be set apart from profane things and to be dedicated to God. They used to do it in the Old Testament with the utensils before they would be, even be allowed to use them in the temple. They would sanctify things. You would have to be sanctified before you went in and even messed with those things in the temple or you were considered unclean. It wasn't going to happen. You weren't going to be allowed to be in there. How do we, brethren, become sanctified? How do we become sanctified? Oh, I love this verse, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. The Bible tells us this, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. How do we become sanctified? We become sanctified by the sacrifice of Jesus. Brethren, don't think about anybody else right now at this moment. I want you to think about one person. I want you to think about Jesus. That sacrifice sets us apart when we obey the gospel. And you know what else it does for us as we walk this Christian life? When we mess up, I can ask for forgiveness and he forgives me and he cleanses me again. The struggle that we have as children of God is that we will always war against sin, won't we? We will always have these lusts and these desires to commit sin. But Paul's request and his prayer to the Lord is that he would completely sanctify the brethren. What's he talking about? Paul makes a request for the brethren at Thessalonica to have a zeal. How's your zeal, brethren? How's your desire, brethren? His prayer was for them to have a zeal and a desire to want to be pleasing in his sight. Well, how does that happen? We looked at this verse Sunday night. It's just been fixed in my mind. I can't let it go. But look at what it says. Now may God, the God of peace, here it is, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will. 
working in you what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. See, when we realize that God's commands for us is not just something to just follow, but it's something that makes us complete and in the process makes us more and more set apart, as you become more like Christ, you know what happens to you? You become more and more set apart. You become different. How different do you want to be? <laughs> Think about it. I remember at school, if I saw somebody different, I was making fun of them. Really, dude? That's what you're going to wear? <laughs> I mean, seriously? I got some clothes maybe you could borrow, some shoes you could wear, man. But you know what I've learned over the years? To be different, to be more different, to be more set apart is exactly what the coolest thing is around. Because I, as I set myself apart, I set myself apart from what the world thinks and I draw closer and closer and closer to where I need to be. And when I focus more and more on Jesus, when I focus more and more living like he wants me to do, I don't realize what's happening around me. But people do. People see the change in my life. Brethren, how's your zeal? How's your desire? In those moments, in those thoughts, in those actions, what happens is we grow spiritually and become more holy. Because of Jesus sitting at the right hand, making intercession for us, the God of peace made a way for us to be sanctified forever. Now, brethren, that is something that I'm going to say one more time. Glory, hallelujah. Me, be sanctified, me, be clean. Are you kidding me? I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. The way that I talk to people, the way that my attitude is sometimes, I don't deserve that. I don't deserve it, but I get it because of Jesus Christ. How much do we appreciate what Jesus has done for us? Think about your life. Think about what you say from day to day. Think about how you uh, treat people from moment to moment. Think about those things in your life and you can quickly draw a conclusion to see how much you appreciate Jesus. Here's the reality. We can fake it. We can think it. it's not true. We can say that this is not the right way. We can do all of these things. But here is the reality. It is appointed for man to die once and face the judgment. How will you be on that day? Confident? Excited? Ready? Or scared? Worried? Confused? Paul's prayer for these Thessalonians was that they would be completely sanctified. So 
So when I show my thankfulness in obeying what he wants me to do, then I set myself apart to be that vessel to do his will. The third thing, the Bible says, let me read verse 23 again. It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The third thing is to be preserved blameless. Paul wanted these brethren to meet Jesus without any legitimate accusations being held against them. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> no, no accusations against them. Paul wanted them to stand before the Lord and be completely without blame. And here's what he says. It's an interesting thought and I don't have time to unpack it, but it says their whole spirit, soul, and body. What's he talking about? Paul wants every ounce of these brethren. He wants every ounce of them. He wants the physical side. He wants the spiritual side. He wants it all to be dedicated to serving the Almighty. When we think about our lives, when we think about the physical things that we're a part of, when we think about the spiritual things that we're a part of, where are we on that? And I love what Paul brings to life and it really brings this whole understanding to a really sharp point. He says that the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, our, you know who Jesus is? He's my savior. You want to know who Jesus is? He's my Lord. And guess what, brethren? He's our Lord and he's our Savior and he's our King. He's ours. The one who took, let me, just, let me just tell you who he is if you don't know. He's the one who took on all our sins and took on all our shame and took on all our reproach. Have you ever done something disrespectful? Have you ever said something that was just downright hateful? Have you ever lived in such a way that you've done things over and over and over that are just you know ain't right? I have. Many a times, for many a years. But he took my sin. He took my shame. He took my reproach. And he died. You want to know why? So that we could have peace. <laughs> so that we could be sanctified. So that we could be preserved blameless when he comes. You want to know what that Greek word preserved means? It means to attend carefully. What about that? Paul's request is that with everything that these Thessalonians got, they will attend carefully to be blameless. Is that us? Or do we even care? Do we even care? 
Our Lord Jesus Christ is the perfect example of this. Now follow this. Why did the Father raise up Jesus? Jesus went to the cross. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. Why did Jesus get raised up? Ever thought about it? I love this. I love it. This is an incredible thought. Why did the father raise up Jesus? Because he did what he was asked to do. Be the perfect sacrifice. And why did he do that? Because of us. Now here's the question. What will we do for him? Huh? What will we do for him? How do we keep ourselves, everything about us, blameless in his sight? Our spiritual attitude should be focused this way. Think about it for just a minute. Challenge yourself. Hold yourself accountable to these comments. Jesus Christ has been perfected. Lord, will you perfect me? Will you create in me the same heart as Jesus? Just as Jesus has done your will, please, Lord, will you do the same for me? My heart is grieved even to the point of death, Jesus said. He was struggling. He was hurting. He'd been doing it all this time. Could you imagine how tired you would be? I talked about this in a Bible study the other day. But really and truly, could you imagine how tired you would be knowing that in two or three days you were about to be beaten? You were about to be hung on a cross for something that you didn't do? How anxious would you be in that moment? And here Jesus pouring out his heart, he says, I'm grieved even to the point of death. What shall I say? Shall I ask the Father to just take this all away? No, no. I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on. There's something bigger at stake. There's something more powerful that's happening here. Not my will be done, but your will be done. And, and the Lord presses further. Just as you raised Jesus from the dead, Lord, just as you raised him brand new, thank you for raising me from my sins in the waters of baptism. Thank you for allowing me to be dead to sin and then come out brand new. But Lord, make me the new creation that I'm supposed to be. The one that keeps my whole spirit and my soul and my body focused on serving you, Lord. I'm tired of playing the game. I'm trying. I'm tired of quit. Uh, I'm tired of acting like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Lord, today, this is the day that I change everything and I dedicate my whole life to you. (laughs) 
See, the same power that raised our Savior from the dead, brethren, just hear this one. Friends, hear this one. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that works in us (laughs) to keep us sanctified, to keep us blameless, and to allow us to confidently say and know in our heart that we are at peace with God. Wow. We're talking about the God who made the flood. We're talking about the God who made them trees that come back every year. We're talking about the God who made the ocean stop. I know y'all like the beach, don't you? You know, when you go to the beach and then the waves come in and they crash, God told them things to stop. And you know what they do? They stop. That's incredible to me. Scientists try to figure it out. They can tell us these things, but you know what? I read it in God's word and it told me that it stopped. But the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that works in us. You want to know when it does? When we let it. When we let it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. You want to know why I believe that? You want to know why that I'm confident in these things? Because of what verse 24 says. Look at what it says. It says, he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Do it. Don't just say it. Do it. I remember my ball coach used to tell me that all the time. Oh, yeah, Matt, I know what you're saying that you're going to do. I know you're going to block out and you're going to get the rebound. I know that you say that you're going to do that. I know you're going to drop back and throw that pass like you're supposed to do. I know you say that you're going to do it, but here's what I want you to do. Do it. (laughs) Do it. This verse is awesome because you want to know what the verse tells us? That he who calls you is faithful. Who calls us? The Lord. How does he call us? Through the gospel. So the one who calls us will do it. He'll do what he says he's going to do. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it from Adam to Noah. We see it from Noah to Abraham. We see it from Abraham to Moses. We see it from Moses to Samuel. Samuel to David. David to Daniel. Daniel to Ezra. Ezra to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist to Jesus. We see the power of God. But we see the power of God on full display through the life, through the death, and through the resurrection of our Lord. Amen? And that same power will work in us if we let it. How much do we cherish the word of God? Because he who calls us is faithful, who also will do it. Brethren, I want to say something to you. 
Friend, I want to say something to you this morning. This is my prayer for you. And I'd like for this prayer to be for me as well. And I want to read it to you. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. The great day is coming and Jesus Christ is going to return and he's going to take with him his children. Are you ready for that day? Are you ready for that day? If you're not ready for it, I, I want to offer this invitation to you. There's a way that you can be confident to know that one day when Jesus Christ comes back, you will be a part of that group. You do it by obedience to the gospel. You do it by understanding who Jesus is, believing that he came to this earth, that he died on that cross for you, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. You do it by repenting. The word repentance means to turn from. You turn from the ways that you're living and you turn towards God's ways. And you live the way that he wants you to do. Jesus said this, that if you confess me before men, that I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. You do it by confessing in front of people that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You believe that he is the one. And you do it by being baptized in water. Acts chapter 22, verse 16, Ananias was talking to Saul at that time who later becomes Paul. And before Paul becomes a Christian, Ananias tells him that God has big plans for you, Saul. He wants you to be a witness to all the Gentiles. But before any of that can happen, you need to arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. And then you do it by living a faithful life. And Jesus said, if you're faithful to me until death, I will give you a crown of life. I cannot wait till that day. How about you? I love you all so very much and I hope that this is an encouragement to you, but, but here's what I want to plead with you. Be different. Be different. Let people know who you serve. Let people know who your king is. And let them know without a shadow of a doubt. Let them know that the God that you serve is a God who says it and does it. And walk with confidence and boldness. Whatever you need, please come right now. As together we stand and sing. Well, I